0: It's the Sarah Rose story. I'm Glenn Klein. Sarah, what's your story?
1: Hey, Glenn, good to see you today. How is it going?
0: I have no complaints, Professor, but thank you for caring enough to ask. How are you?
1: I'm doing great starting out this new year. And yeah, what's the story today? It's a uh, it's an unfortunate story, but it's also a story that has a lot of hope um, on the other side of it. So sexual trauma is going to be the story that we go into today. Not necessarily the most fun one when you just, you know, kind of look at it from the start. Um, But once you get to the other side, then that's where life is really good. So really learning about sexual trauma, how to move through it if you have it, heal it, all of that, Um, and knowing that there is hope. That's actually a good story to have, that part of it.
0: How do you get to the other side and what do you mean by that?
1: Hmm, so sexual trauma, well, first off, let's, let's look at some statistics. One in two women have been sexually abused. Um, statistics for men are more around one in five we think it's higher than that but men just report it less Uh, so you know and this is like sexual abuse um, molestation rape things like that that are being reported so this is clearly sexual abuse that's happening Um, but sexual trauma can be that but it can also be much more, right? So trauma is actually very dependent on a person, each individual's perception of what has happened to them. So you can have two people have um, very similar or same experience happen, but two, they're each going to react to it, experience it in a very unique and individual way. And so trauma actually occurs when your brain perceives Death, um, or had the experience of death, and so um, for one person the experience may give them trauma, whereas the other one doesn't, just because they perceive it in a different way. So, living in a society like we live in, that's a sex negative culture. Um, many people actually perceive that it's very much can be very traumatic to their bodies. Their bodies experience it as having to turn against themselves. Like our body has to deny itself, deny part of itself. That part of itself has to die. And so that experience of death inside of the body is is traumatic. And so we carry that trauma with us. So when we're talking about sexual trauma, it's much more than um, very specific sex, sexual abuse cases that we may originally think of. So sexual trauma is something that most people carry to one degree or another. And we see so many people walking around with um, depression, you know, there's, and, it's, and we'll go into more more about this, but there's like the different states that trauma gets stuck in the body. So yeah, it's a really big topic, um, but it's a really important one to dive into, uh, and it's something that I do a lot of work with clients around in the Man on Fire coaching program that I have, because it's really like if we can't unfreeze, if we can't get through these patterns that are stored frozen in our bodies then it's hard to reach the other side of the sexual desires, the sexual thriving that these guys come to me that they're really wanting to live in. So, yeah, it's a big topic.
0: What are the parameters of sexual trauma?
1: What do you mean by parameters?
0: Well, let's start at perhaps the Roman Catholic sex scandals where the priests were molesting and... um Raping boys, young boys. I would say that's kind of like on the far end. And When a woman gets raped, et cetera. Just flat out violent rape, molestation, abuse. That's sexual in nature, if you will. I don't particularly think it's sexual, but you know what I mean. And on the other side of the parameter is catcalling or sexual shaming, how wide is the parameters around sexual trauma?
1: Right. And that's where it becomes, like I said, very individual for one woman. She may walk down the street and some guys, you know, cat calling her and she could get turned on by it. She may enjoy the objectification and that may be, you know, something for her that is no issue at all. Another woman uh, may walk by and she may be annoyed at these guys. She may even be disgusted by them, but she's not going to register as trauma. Um, another woman could walk by, the same guy is doing the same thing, and for whatever reason, her experience of it is very traumatic. She freezes up inside, she feels threatened, um, and she can experience it as trauma. So that's where this becomes very individual, and we can't say, like, you know, this is traumatic for every person and this is not.
0: Which is more traumatic, the actual act or the response by either the perpetrator or the loved ones and support network that the victim goes to after the fact?
1: Uh, Well, it's going to depend too, but I think it can all be very traumatic. I mean, definitely your supposed support network um, can definitely make things worse after the fact, um, but I don't think that... I mean, I don't know, possibly. It could be, like, if some woman had an experience that she was maybe uncomfortable with, but she didn't find it necessarily traumatic, but she told, you know, her her mother about it, and the mother overreacted and, you know, made it into a very traumatic experience, and then the woman that had the experience could... Um, go back into that memory and relive it in a traumatic way and then she could traumatize herself. So that is possible. Absolutely. Like we can go back into a story of something that happened and we can re-traumatize. And that's why when working with clients, I'm very clear with them, very careful that they not re-traumatize themselves because it is actually possible. Um, Our minds are very powerful in that way.
0: I was molested when I was nine years old at summer camp by my cabin counselor. And I came home, I was nine years old, I came home and I was bruised from all the hickeys this guy had given me.
1: Oh my God.
0: And I told my parents what had happened and they didn't do a damn thing about it. They didn't call the summer camp. They literally blew it off. And I've often thought, I'm over it now for sure. I mean, I can kind of even joke about it in a way. And I'm certainly open about it. But it was a summer camp that I went to my entire youth, and then I ended up buying the place. I never left the camp. And then when I was about, I would say 25 or late 20s, the guy who molested me came back and visited the camp with his wife and his two daughters. And guess what he did for a living (laughs) he was a priest he was an episcopal priest (laughs) Hmm. and i was i was steeped in heavy religion at the time myself and i knew i was supposed to forgive him which i did and i certainly have at this point but i didn't say a goddamn word to him about it but i know without a doubt the process of me getting over it was more traumatic for me the way my parents especially my father for some reason did not come to my assistance than the actual molestation itself
1: yeah, and that's the opposite of what I was talking about. So I'm talking about somebody making it worse on, you know, going one direction. You're talking about making it worse in the opposite direction. Absolutely. Like, you. F- I'm sure you felt just completely abandoned in that situation.
0: Totally. And I didn't know, you know, but it was years ago because, you know, we've already established I'm an old fucker. And I'm an old fucker. But, uh, <laughs> but in those days, you, everything was swept up under the rug because there was something wrong with you if something like that happened. Mm-hmm. Now, since wow. the Me Too movement and all that, I mean, it's the, I mean, thank God, but it's the exact opposite. But right. literally, it was never discussed. It was never talked about with the camp director. I went back to the summer camp. Fortunately, the guy wasn't there. But he, like I said, he came back and visited once I had bought the camp. That was weird. What kind of traumatic uh, experiences have you either had personally or have uh, been very aware of personally?
1: Well, I mean, also I was raised uh, very religious. And for me, um, a big part of my trauma came just from the shutdown that I had, uh, the sexual shutdown turning against my own body. And I really didn't even realize how that was traumatic until I started doing this training, um, being trained to do this work with others. And through that process was really able to um, heal so much of what I had. Uh, And it's, you know, like just being, I remember being a little girl and being sexual, like being four years old and being attracted to the other little boys. And, um, even, I mean, especially in middle school, like being super boy crazy. (laughs) I was like, I like that one. I like that one. I like that one, you know, and like just very quickly realizing that was not acceptable um, I was a pastor's daughter and, you know, like I was not allowed to date. I was not allowed to have a boyfriend. I was not allowed to kiss nothing. And so, um, like, I just remember shutting that part of myself down in order to be accepted in my community. Right. And that is so primal for human beings to, um, do whatever it takes to be accepted by the tribe, because if we're not accepted by our tribe, then that is death, right? Like we can't survive without the tribe, um, in, in tribal societies. And especially even today, children have to do this, like children have to do whatever it takes to keep their caregivers happy in order for them to survive. And so I remember turning against myself, abandoning myself, Um, in order for that survival to happen. Um, And it's what, what happens typically when people do this, and we see this huge in society, is then they become very judgmental against other people that express that part of themselves. And I did that. Like I was very judgmental of other women that I saw expressing their sexuality. And it's kind of funny in a way being on the other side of it now and seeing myself judged by women uh, and it's like, I get it. You know, I see you sister, like <laughs> judge away because like, I, I'm not offended. Like, I love you. I have so much compassion for you cause I've been there. Um, but, but yeah, that was a big part of, for, part of it for me. Um, and so I've been able to work with people, you know, the full spectrum. Like I've worked with individuals that have that type of trauma, to women that have been raped or molested, same with men, men that have been molested, um in you know the whole spectrum of people and it's just the very very unfortunate reality of the society that we live in is that Almost all of us have experienced this to one degree or another. And um, I'm just grateful to know that there are ways for us to, to move to the other side of it. I'm grateful for the Me Too movement, um, for give, giving a voice to people to come forward with this uh, information. And I hate for us to like just stay in that place of anger, as much as it's righteous anger, like let's do the healing work now and let's move forward. And that's really where my heart is with all of this.
0: You mentioned the Me Too movement. One of the stories that came through uh, when there was the rash of, for lack of a better term, exposures of what these guys had done by the way, have you noticed that we don't hear about this anymore? What I mean, you, you can't tell me that it's now it's it's all good and it's stopped. That was like Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, and Louis C.K. and that's it. I mean, you
1: know, it's just right. like.
0: Anyway, that's just a, an interesting little side note. But I really respect and love uh, Louis C.K.'s comedy. So I talked about it quite a bit, both in social media and on Sex of the Pews. And my former wife Dawn and my best friend Molly, independently of each other, basically said, and if you recall the Louis C.K. story, he would ask for permission to masturbate in front of women that had come for his advice in comedy. Even early on before Louis C.K. was Louis C.K., if you will. And both of them, they're both very strong women, I I must say, both of them independently said of each other, or, or said about the situation, I would have just said, put it back in your pants and, you know, go fuck yourself. Both of them had that attitude. What do you say to people that say, I couldn't have done that. I feel traumatized by a man, period, let alone a powerful and highly prominent male individual imposing himself on me that way.
1: Yeah, I think it's always going to be easy for people on the outside to say what they would have done in a situation, and we really can't judge somebody in the situation that they were in. I mean, from an outsider perspective, it sounds like if he was asking permission, then he could have just said no. Right. But we don't really know the intricacies of that particular um, day and what exactly was happening. And, you know, the person that came in there, her her whole story, all of it. Um, So I hate to make judgment um, as an outsider, uh, even though, like, you know, I would definitely get um, your ex-wife's opinion. Just like go fuck yourself, dude. You know, totally get that and I wasn't actually there. So I don't know. It's hard to say.
0: The the general precept is don't judge other people's experience. And the Christian or religious women that you reference and the way that you were judging people back in the day, Sarah, reflects not poorly on the people they're judging. It reflects poorly on them. Psychologists call it self-loathing.
1: It really is the self-loathing and it comes from the lost part of ourselves, the part of ourselves that we are denying and it's so painful, right? It's like you literally push this part of you down, denied this part of you and you see somebody else freely, happily expressing this part of them that you're not allowing yourself to express and it's very painful, and it is. It's self-loathing. It's self-hatred for what you've done to yourself, and yet most of the time it's been done as a survival mechanism, and so like blaming yourself for it isn't going to do you any good either, Uh, so I love how I'm able to work with people and like really reclaim all these lost parts of themselves, and the Man on Fire program, we go each week. It's like something else, bringing up a different aspect of themselves these guys are like I didn't even know I had all this stuff and like you come out of the experience after six months of going through a program like this of like wow I just feel at peace because you're no longer at war with parts of yourself anymore that you're like trying to hide trying to keep down and it's just this sense of wholeness acceptance peace you know and like some people will say would make that sound like it's a religious experience but it's not it's just like reclaiming and loving all parts of who you are
0: including Um, the parts that went through trauma
1: oh especially the parts that went through trauma yeah we do a lot of work around loving those parts of ourselves absolutely
0: it's so key uh to be a holistic human being and be whole to accept every aspect of your experience and your personality on planet because listen, our peccadilloes and our frailties and the bullshit that's happened to us. It's a huge part of our story. Yeah. And if you want to keep tapping those down and not bringing the light of truth to them, they're going to have a negative effect in, uh, as opposed to the very positive effect it can have on people. When people are judging other people or hating on other people, it's because they're literally blaming themselves for things that typically were absolutely nothing, in no way that they were responsible for. I mean, it's irrational, but it doesn't mean that it's not impactful. I'm always reminded of that great scene in Good Will Hunting, when Robin Williams is playing Matt Damon's psychologist. And it's right at the end where the breakthrough's about to happen. And Matt Damon had a really rough childhood, a lot of abuse, and in the movie. And if you haven't seen the movie, see the movie. It's incredible. And I'm not going to ruin anything for anybody if you haven't seen it. But spoiler alert if you don't want to hear this. <laughs> but <laughs> right at the end, Robin Williams in therapy is saying to Matt Damon, to, uh, Will Hunting, Will, it's not your fault. Mm. It wasn't your fault. He, yeah. he was abused. and he, But that was pressing in that robin williams the sean the character of the as a therapist it's not your fault it's not your fault and will will hunting is really he's a genius is what he is matt damon's character so i know but he just keeps pressing in sarah it wasn't your fault it's not and finally not only does matt damon break but he starts apologizing He starts bawling his eyes out and saying, I'm so sorry. This is how irrational and what a loop. You talk about a story in somebody's head? Here he was blaming himself for the abuse that he had suffered in his character as a foster kid, as a foster child. Because subconsciously, at the very least, when people suffer trauma, sexual or otherwise, there's something in us that wants to know what is wrong with me that somebody would treat me this way
1: right well and it comes especially with children because children look at their caregiver whoever it may be parent foster parent grandparent whoever that caregiver is they look at that caregiver as this God figure because they are their life is in this person's hands right like their survival is dependent upon this person and so in order like for a child to look at this person that they are completely dependent on and to see that person as flawed in any way is too traumatic they can't handle it because, for a person who my entire survival is dependent upon to be flawed means that they may not be able to to take care of me the way I need to be taken care of. So anything that the caregiver does that is quote wrong, the child turns on themselves. I must be doing something wrong. I am not worthy of receiving the care... That I need because there's something wrong with me because it's easier for them to feel like, okay, there's something wrong with me than it is to think that there's something wrong with the person that they're to fully dependent on. So that's where that psychology comes into play. Um, but back to the trauma, like when we're looking in uh, nature, so Peter Levine, he is someone that I love. Um, most of the, the trauma work that I do with clients comes from Peter Levine. And he uh, studied and worked with um, P- people with PTSD for like the last 40 to 50 years. Um, and what he Saw in as what he was doing his studies um, is that in nature, animals go through traumatic experiences, but they don't remain traumatized. So if animals, if most animals, if they do stay traumatized, they actually end up dying um, because it's that intense to their system. And so the way that animals complete their experience, um, the risk of death is they shake, they flee, they fight, um, but they're allowed to actually recover after the experience. Um, Humans tend to not do this because we live in a you know, quote, civilized society where we're not allowed to run away. We're not allowed to um, fight back, you know, things like this. Like we just shut down. We don't allow the um, experience, the, the trauma to complete. We don't let the cycle complete. And then it becomes trapped in the nervous system. We get stuck in a pattern of, freezing or fighting or fleeing and so we've got this stuck pattern in us and it's like traps um, in our nervous system the shock inside of the body and and inside the psyche and it loops over and over and then like with the extreme cases of trauma it's going to show up like ptsd um you see so many people like when I work with clients, there's a lot of disassociation from their body. There's a lot of numbness. People, you know, have lots of denial that they're, um, that they, that they carry. And so, um, really like, the cool thing about it is that you can complete these cycles even after the fact. Um, and this is something I do with clients, like just allowing them to express whatever's coming up from, for them naturally in a session. So if they have, um, the urge to fight, like really just like reenact that punching pillows, screaming, kicking, uh, running, like whatever it is that they feel just naturally coming up, rising up in them, letting them complete those cycles. Uh, for me personally, like I have also, in addition to this, like doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu has helped me a ton, like for, to learn how to defend myself and to be able to reenact that over and over and over, like several days a week of like actually allowing my body to go through the the motions of defending, um, it's, it's helped as well. So there's definitely ways to move through all of this. Um, but it's a real thing. You know, people are, you can look at a person and you can see by the expression or the, the lack of expression on their face um if they're in a free state and so many people are like our natural state is to be vibrant to be just like excited about life i mean clearly there's always going to be the stuff like the ups and downs of life but even the downs you can be expressive in that but most people walking around They are not expressive. They're very shut down. They're very numb. You can just see, like, um, their faces are almost frozen. And this comes from this trapped trauma inside of their bodies.
0: You see it all the time. All you have to do is go to a public place, a market, a theater. It's unbelievable how frozen, how traumatic people look. Mm -hmm. When you smile at somebody these days, which I do on purpose, they're almost shocked at this point to see anybody smiling. Right. What is the most effective way to get over trauma?
1: So, I mean, it's definitely a... um, It's a process, you know? It's not just a here's a quick fix, you know, here's this hack. Um, like I said, in my man on fire program, it's a six month program. And yes, I'm teaching in this program, these guys to become master lovers to be, you know, just sexual masters. But part of that process is healing any underlying trauma that they have, like healing all the stuff. Um, so there's one week of the six months in particular that's really focused on the trauma, but it's an underlying theme for the entire six months. It's while it's not the main focus, it's there. In all of the practices, there's components of gentle trauma healing taking place. Um I use breath work a lot to help people. The trauma is stored in the primal part of our brain. And so in order to get to the primal part of the brain, you need to be able to get through... the the cortex get through the limbic system and so softening those parts of the brain through breath work helps. Um, Also really being able to focus on the sensations in the body, which doesn't sound like it'd be hard but it actually really is um, a challenge for most people when they begin because the sensations are are associated with the primal part of the brain, the sensations in the body are what occurs first and then the limbic system forms emotions over that and then the cortex forms a story around that and so in order to really get in there once again it's like this learning how to get into the sensations we call it felt sense felt sense work and so i'm constantly cueing them Go back into the sensations. What are the sensations? Name the sensations, speak the sensations, Um, and then that coupled with um, specific types of breath work that I lead them through. Uh, And then from that space, letting their body release what in whatever way um, it happens. You know, for some people, it may be just like they feel the urge to get up and start punching, kicking, screaming. They need to run. Um, whatever it is, but just allowing the body to fully express itself. And the interesting thing is that is also what is what makes us really good in bed is the following the sensations in our body, like tracking the sensations of pleasure in the body, letting those sensations of pleasure expand following them, letting your body express and sound and move in the way of pleasure. So it all is tied in together because our sexuality is a very primal part of us as well.
0: What percentage of the guys that go through the Man on Fire program or that you coach individually, what percentage have had actual sexual trauma?
1: Um, most, yeah.
0: So 70%, 90%? Yeah, probably
1: like 80%.
0: And that's something. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be fair to say that guys who have had sexual trauma, or women, of course, uh, don't feel bad about it. You're in good company.
1: Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. There's so much shame that we have, and that goes back to, you know, that there must be something wrong with us, that we must have done something wrong to for this have happened to us. And so we want to cover that up. We want to have shame, we have shame around that, but it's just the reality of it's happened to almost everyone and it's horrible. And if we don't go through this healing work, if we don't, then we won't get to the other side, you know, and we don't want to perpetuate this in society. We don't want this to be the world that we give to our children and our grandchildren. And so doing this work was so important, not only for us, but it's so important for the future as well.
0: Getting back to what uh, my wife and best friend had said independently about just get over it, I would, well, I know my former wife has definitely had sexual trauma in her past. And I've never talked to my friend Molly about it, but I wonder how prevalent it is for people to say, Hey, it's no big deal to actually have some pretty deep rooted shit that actually is a pretty big deal, uh, to those individuals.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of people just want to tough it out, you know, and you can see that in people as well. Like, uh, oh, you know, cause you can take that attitude. Well, if it's happened to everybody, then what are, what's the big deal, you know, like it's happened to everyone, just get over it and, uh, just get on with your life. Um, you know, and some people definitely take that perspective and you see a lot of people that are out there very angry, like just living with such anger. And that is part of not going through the process of healing. You know, it's a cover up that a lot of people have.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, putting a Band-Aid on a cancer. It's just, <laughs> it's it's not effective. It's not going to work. And uh, that festering infection underneath there is going to keep getting worse unless it's lanced and drained and uh, allowed to heal.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, so it's, it's definitely a, an issue. It's something, but it's something to, if, if you have experienced sexual trauma, rather than looking at this, as like this heavy thing that you're never going to get through the other side, you can change that perspective. You know, now as an adult, now you are able to take control over your life. You're able to make choices for your life. You're able to make the choice to do the healing work that is available to you so that way you can have really the sex that you truly desire to have. Um, You know, it's like, I just there's so much out there about sex, you know, like all these sex tips and, you know, different websites and magazines and whatnot, and it's like, Okay, great, try out that position. Try out this new position or this new toy or whatever. And it's like, okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you haven't like really done the internal work first, you can try every tip in the book, and it's like it's not gonna it's not gonna get you the results that you really desire. So that's why tantric activation, really the heart of it is the sexual healing component of it, like Fully, in fully embodied sexuality comes from, this, from a fully embodied person. And sexual healing is a big part of that.
0: Yeah, if one can be healed sexually, you're well on your way to being, coming whole. That's what I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Our sexuality is so, so huge. It's such a big part of who we are.
0: Shall we uh, enter the mailbag segment of this quality show?
1: let's do it and now ladies
0: and gentlemen it is time for the ask the professor sarah mailbags segment (laughs) (laughs) so
1: real quick i got i don't know if you even know this glenn but the reason i i said professor sarah jokingly but i like it so let's stay with it is because in jujitsu um you're if as a black belt instructor, you're actually called a professor, you're not the coach or you're a professor at that point. So sometimes you may have coaches that are like a brown belt, but once you become the black belt, the master, you are the professor.
0: (laughs) You ever see the show Gilligan's Island?
1: I have a long time ago. The professor.
0: He was, he was the smart one. Of course he Ah, was the the professor. Yeah. He always, you know, was able to fix the radio (laughs) The professor and Marianne, They're on Gilligan's.
1: Marianne, uh, Marianne. What was the other one? Ginger, Ginger,
0: Marianne or Ginger for you?
1: Oh, they were so cute.
0: Yeah, but which ones? Yeah, that's that's the proverbial question: Marianne or Ginger?
1: Can I have them both?
0: Well, <laughs> in Sarah Rose's case, of course. Hello, you are the professor.
1: Don't make me choose. But if you
0: had to choose, which which you're more attracted to—the glam or the kind of tomboyish?
1: marianne i'm like biting my lip thinking about this um for some reason i'm going for marianne today
0: marianne from downtown yeah i've always been a ginger i mean i'm not a ginger (laughs) but i I, yeah ginger I, i don't know why i've dated them all man i have had every race every size shape Uh, personality, but they all have the same thing in common. They're all smart and strong women. Mm, Yeah, it's weird. I'm a weird dude. It's all right. I don't have a problem with You got your kink. (laughs) Is that my kink, that I like strong and smart women?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, I think that would be considered, well, I mean, it's a preference for sure. I don't know if it's a kink. Maybe it is.
0: Although, I don't know, but Marianne was probably the smarter of the two. Ginger was like uh, she was like a movie star. The movie star, Ginger.
1: Well, I mean, you got to be.
0: over the s- movie star, the professor. You to be and smart
1: we- in order to make it in Hollywood.
0: Well, or have been willing to do Harvey Weinstein.
1: Well, and you know, maybe that was
0: <laughs> <laughs> smart. <laughs> see, how, see how? See what I just did there? I just tied it right back to our topic. That's called good podcaster ability, right there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right, well, we'll get back to the serious topic here. Okay, we're, we're in the Ask the Professor mailbag. By the way, if you've got a question, you can send it to support at tantricactivation.com. I'll remind you about that. Uh, before we are finito. All right, so Gordon from Evans, Illinois says, uh, Dear Sarah, I was raped by several men when I was a kid. I'm gay but would prefer not to be. How much was the rape responsible for me being a homosexual?
1: Hmm. Wow. I can't say honestly. So, um, you can definitely do a lot of healing work around this. Um, something like that. I wouldn't recommend a group coaching program, definitely working one-on-one, uh with a coach and a sex therapist, uh would be the best way to go about that. But I would just begin there, really um doing the healing work first and foremost and then seeing what comes of all of that. Because it's a it's a lot to unravel and at this point in time, uh for me, I wouldn't feel responsible. I would not feel like I was responsible as a profesh- professional just to say, you know, in one way or another. Um, I really think there's a lot to unravel before you can answer that question.
0: I had a friend who was uh, molested as a kid by uh, by men. And he's gay. And we had this conversation, this years ago we had this conversation because there's a theory in the conversion therapy movement that if you were molested, that's why you're gay. So this is reflected in this gentleman Gordon's question. Uh, But he would say, my friend, Mike said, maybe he was molested because he was gay versus Mm. the fact that he was gay being caused by the fact that he was molested.
1: Yeah. And that's possibility as well. And that's why I say like, there's a lot there to unravel and so you can't just I can't just get a question like this without you know knowing more details around it and just make a blanket statement uh, that's definitely would be irresponsible on my part.
0: Well, we don't want that now, do we? No. Tom from Nashville says, "Hey, Sarah, I was molested repeatedly by my uncle when I was twelve. I enjoyed it, but now I feel guilty about enjoying it." I know it was fucked up. Should I feel guilty about feeling uh guilty? And what should I do with the effect of the experience?
1: Yeah, and that's actually something that a lot of children struggle with. It's so sad, too, that they're put in that situation because um, you know, sexual pleasure is sexual pleasure, right? Like having your genitals touched is a pleasurable sensation most of the time. And so for that, that pleasure to be um, crossed with something that was not supposed to happen, it really creates these patterns in the brain um, that can be difficult, but not impossible to change. Like we can definitely um, create new patterns, uh, connecting your sexuality, connecting your pleasure, um, to experiences that you want to have rather than, you know, going back into the guilt, um, that you have from the past. And it's just know that you're not alone in that. It's definitely something that a lot of people struggle with, um, because it's just the reality of it. Like being touched sexually is designed to feel good. And so whatever the situation was, it's a good chance that it did feel good. And so knowing that you are not to blame, it is not your fault, regardless of how you reacted in that time and place, um, and you can create new patterns in your brain.
0: The, uh, create a new story, if you will.
1: Create a new story, absolutely.
0: All right, this one comes in uh, anonymously. I'm assuming it's a guy. Uh, he says, Dear Sarah, um, I was a serial rapist of boys and girls for many years. I have stopped now, but I don't know what to do with the trauma that I cause and the trauma that I'm experiencing personally from having perpetrated this. What should I do?
1: I'm not often at a often at a loss for words um I don't know what to say um yeah
0: <laughs> I, the first question I would ask is what does he mean by cereal? i mean you know is he he might be considered five or six cereal or it could be five hundred because if it's a, if it's a manageable number, how effective would it be for him to look up these Uh, either the parents of the kids, if they're still underage, or the uh, adults that were affected when they were kids, and say, listen, I did this, I own it. Or do you go to the authority? What the fuck do you do with something like this?
1: I don't even know, Glenn. I don't even know. I'm glad that he says that he has stopped. um, And I hope that he's actually gotten some real help. I mean, I think that he needs to see a... um, psychiatrist and uh, really get some severe help this is beyond beyond me
0: I would hope that again I'm, I'm assuming I think it's a, it's a pretty safe assumption that this is a male most sexual trauma not all but most sexual trauma is committed by men why is so. why is that
1: I don't know I don't know why it is mostly by men. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry that that letter just really disturbed me. It's so.
0: it's, it's disturbing. Well, I, oh, hopefully this guy is in therapy. And well, he
1: needs beyond a therapist. He needs to be with a psychiatrist and like definitely working with somebody who is very specialized in this. And the
0: question, of course, becomes: There's there's several questions with this. Do you go uh, to the victims? Do you turn yourself into the authorities? So really, this is a tough one for sure. What would you do if you knew that this guy had done this? And, and he wasn't coming to you as a professional. He told you at a jiu jitsu thing or a bar, or you just found out this information and he just told you, n- not confidentially even, and not as a professional. What would you do with it, do you think? Do you th- would you go to, to the authorities and say, listen, I, I, got, I got this information?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think as a civilian, as a citizen, it's our responsibility, absolutely.
0: Do you think that I should have gone to the authorities with the information about my molester after he came back and visited the summer camp? Because chances are I wasn't the only kid that he molested throughout his life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you probably should have.
0: Should I still?
1: I don't know what the – I know – I actually just saw an article yesterday that the timeline on these things are being changed now since the Me Too movement – um, as far as reporting sexual abuse,
0: the statute uh, of limitations,
1: mm-hmm, like those have, those are changing this year, actually in 2020, uh, in, in some different States, but, but I mean, why not?
0: I think people, that
1: people like that, they need to pay. Right. And it's like, it's not saying that people can't change because I absolutely do also believe that. People who you know, maybe you were one person in the past, and now you're somebody different in the future. You've actually changed, and we shouldn't. We should allow people to be in this new place, um, but at the same time, when you're talking about harming children and possibly ruining lives of people, that's something that you need to be held accountable for.
0: I think that your reaction to this particular letter speaks to the. Darkness that this whole issue of sexual trauma is involved by. I mean, this is a tough, tough subject. No doubt about
1: it. Yeah, it is. You know, and I am not the person for this individual to work with. I would I wouldn't work with this individual if they came to me to work with them.
0: If if they told you uh professionally that this happened, reaching out to you. Would you feel a responsibility of going to the authorities right then?
1: Um, so if it is my responsibility as a professional, if I feel like the person is in, is going to harm themselves or someone else imminently. So this person is saying that it's something that they did in the past. Um, it is not as a professional, it's not my responsibility, um, to report this. Um, I, I don't know. I might anyway though.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it'd be a tough thing not to do. That's for sure. You have mentioned uh, man on fire a couple of times that guys have gotten help. Is that the program for guys who know without a a doubt that they've suffered sexual trauma?
1: Um no, so man on fire is something like sexual trauma is a part of the program. Um, but if somebody is specifically coming to me for sexual trauma, then I would recommend that we do private coaching rather than the group coaching program.
0: No, no but I mean as, as, as opposed to the sex stallion or sort of physiology obviously, but the, the programs that are offered right now, Oh, website. right. It, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, so man, sex stallion I, training
1: yeah. does not deal with any of the psychological or the emotional components of our sexuality. Sexuality. It's just, it is the fundamentals of tantric sex training. So it's the physiological component of it. Um, man on Fire as the group coaching program, the trauma is there um, as, as a part of it, um, but it's not the main focus. Um, so if somebody really has uh, sexual trauma that they're wanting to work through, then I recommend they do a private coaching with me rather than the group coaching program. Not to say that guys in man on fire haven't also experienced sexual trauma. That's just not the main reason that they're coming to do this program. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, of course. And then so, so they've got the basics perhaps in sex stallion training and then knowing that 80, 90% of guys have had sexual trauma, even if a guy's not aware of it, then the man on farm or the private coaching would be the perhaps the next layer uh, to walk in the freedom that is available uh, to, to any perf- person out there if uh, if they change their story, basically.
1: Right, absolutely. And also, you know, doing this work helps guys. I uh, when they're in relationship with women who have had sexual trauma because a lot of guys come to me saying like I'm in relationship with this woman she has so much sexual trauma I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help her. Like, and so doing this work themselves helps to help them open their minds to kind of more what the possibilities are. Um, not that they're actually going to become the coach for their significant other, but it does help them um, just even being the The partner to this other person to have more empathy for them to be able to to uh, be open to them in different ways to hold their hold space for them um, in ways of more understanding so it helps with that as well.
0: What are some of the manifestations that you've seen guys who have gone through sexual trauma uh, well manifesting? Obviously a lot of times we know that those that were abused become abusers, but what are the some of the things that you've worked on with guys or that you've seen that manifested in their lives as a result of the sexual trauma they suffered?
1: You know, it's really in guys I see a lot of anger, um, so it's either depression or anger, and it's, you know, so either what they experience, they turn inward on themselves and it becomes depression or they're expressing it outward onto others, and that is anger. And so, you know, I can typically see when a guy comes to me if he's really expressing strongly in one of these, either depression or anger, that there's pro- there's something inside of him that is unresolved, uh, and then we just go from there.
0: The other day, I saw on the Instagram uh, page the Tatric activation that you had a video that talked about your availability for private coaching. You were offering a discount. Where does that stand right now?
1: Yeah, so a lot of guys message me that they really want to do coaching, um, but they don't want to commit to the full six-month program. Um, you know, they just feel like, oh, I've got a couple of questions, and I just want to get those answered. And so, yeah, I'm setting aside a uh, half a day, Um, I remember the exact date, honestly, it's sometime in in a couple of weeks, um, to just get on a call and let these guys answer or ask the questions that they have and I'll give them the answers. So, so yeah, that's not something that I usually do because I really do uh, prefer to work with people over long, longer periods of time, um, because that's really where the transformation is. Um, but at the same time, I want to make myself, you know, available to reach different types of people and, you know, different spaces that they're in. And so I decided to go ahead and try this out and see where it goes. And if it's something that seems effective, then I'll do, do it more in the future.
0: And this would be a group call?
1: 10, 10 people,
0: 10 guys. And how can people get in touch with you directly if they're interested in that uh, particular
1: Yeah. Um, you can just email me and just, you know, let me know that you want to do this. It's $250 for the four hours, usually to do coaching with me, it's 500 bucks for an hour. So it's pretty good deal to be able to do like four hours for 250 bucks. So, um, like I said, I'm only letting this, um, go for 10 guys. So yeah, just email me if you are interested
0: at, at, uh, the support email yeah that works support at tantric activation.com four hours over how many sessions
1: uh we'll do one session Just four one, hours four
0: hours boom done good night guys. Yep. all right well there you go so yeah. if you're interested in that email sarah uh the professor at the
1: professor at
0: support at tantric com, and of course uh her instagram pages are tantric activation and sarah jitsu sarah rose jiu-jitsu and
1: Sarah Rose Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-jitsu yeah, Jiu-jitsu, and so the exciting story time with Sarah Rose today. So my story from the week is that on um, the 31st, actually, New Year's Eve, I got my fourth and final stripe as a white, white belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yay! So... I am very, very proud of myself for that. It's well, we're proud of you.
0: And as we say in the tribe, mazel tov. That's wonderful.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I have been at the John Jock Machado School since March of 2019, um, and I've consistently gotten a stripe um, every four months since I've been there. Like it's been over, yeah, four months. It's four months. Uh, spans that I've gotten stripes. And so continuing on that trajectory, um, puts me the end of April to be getting my blue belt, uh, in like, it's a, it's a big accomplishment because 80% of people that start, um, jujitsu, they never get to the blue belt level. And so, you know, to be one of the 20% that actually gets there is, uh, really exciting, but really beyond that, it's just, um, me like honoring my body and the capabilities that I have to actually defend myself. And that feels really fucking good. Like the lineage that I'm a part of the John Jock, John Jock Machado lineage is a very respected lineage. Um, And it's like, I know the training that I have is serious, legit training. And I know that, um, over the next four months, as I really hone in the skills that I've learned as a white belt to become a blue belt, like once I have my blue belt in that lineage, like I'm going to feel really good about being able to defend and protect myself just with my own two bare hands, you know, like not even like needing a weapon. Not that I'm opposed to that as well, but like, it's, it's just a really good feeling. And it's something that is invaluable that I didn't realize, um, that was lacking, uh, before I, when I didn't have it. And I'm so grateful for the time that I've committed to this path. So
0: beyond yeah. being able to defend yourself, how has it affected your confidence level overall?
1: Oh, it totally impacts my confidence because so many people are, you know, out there it, you know, you if you don't, if you can't back up your words <laughs> with something physical, what do you really have? Like, you know, I, now I look at these dudes at like shit talking, and you know, I see like the the keyboard warrior types, right? Like, and I, I've i gotten the emails myself from people are just like, nah, 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 and I'm like, dude, I could fuck you up. Like, what, show them what on the map.
0: What are they like? keyboard warriors nah,
1: nah, 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 nah. the <laughs> keyboard warriors like you know just writing a bunch of shit online yeah, or through email right. or whatnot and it's like you know what show up like you want to hide like quit being a fucking weenie back there hiding show up be a man like
0: <laughs> well that, last week uh on Sex and the pews we had a three-time uh world kickbox champion named rick davison from north carolina And he talked about in that episode how the responsibility of being out in public and knowing what a person can do who's been trained in jiu-jitsu and and mixed martial arts, how close are you to that point that that you've got to be like, give somebody a heads up, like, you don't want to fuck with me?
1: Well, I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm an MMA competitor by any means. Like I'm. But
0: (laughs) but, 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 obviously, once you get your once you (laughs) right, once you get your blue belt, you're you know you're going to be at 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 that level. But how uh, dangerous are you out there right now? If somebody wanted to fuck with you.
1: I can definitely defend myself right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. Like a new guy came into the school this week. And I'm like, I told you before we started, like I had bad insomnia this week. Like I went three nights without any sleep and I had been doing a ton of jujitsu. And like, I was really exhausted, com- depleted. Like one of my buddies who I'm usually neck and neck with, like we're always like go climbing up the ranks together uh, the, the class that day, he submitted me like six times in a row. Like literally I had, I really had nothing left to give. And this dude comes in it is his first class and he's a, he's a lot bigger than me. I mean, he looked like he's probably like six foot four, you know, probably had a good 80 pounds on me and not trained at all, but he was just going at it super aggressive. And I was just like, what the fuck is your problem? Like, I was like just getting annoyed with him, you know, it was more like a pesky little fly. I was like, and like, I didn't feel any fear. I didn't feel like I was in danger at all. I more just felt like, dude, like, just cut it out. You're annoying the fuck out of me. And like, that's really the type of person that I would encounter on the streets is like, you know, somebody, if somebody doesn't have any training, like, you know, and if I, if I had been on top of my game, if I wasn't super exhausted, like I was like, I could have, and I ended up submitting the guy, I could have submitted him a lot faster. Um, and, you know, I ended up getting his back and choking him. And so like, I definitely know how to do that to an untrained attacker. Um, I'm not an MMA expert. I am not a, you know, top blue belt or top BJJ competitor by any means. Um, but I also don't have to be in order to be able to defend myself. but,
0: But you're clearly not to be trifled with nonetheless. Yeah. And if you're a keyboard warrior or a pesky little fly, don't, don't fuck with Sarah Rose. Don't, don't fuck with the professor. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> but do contact her at support at tantricactivation.com and check her out on Instagram at uh, Sarah Rose Jiu-Jitsu and also on Facebook and, and uh, Tantric Activation. Uh, on dot com, I should say. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's especially given the topic today, you guys. Sexual trauma. If you have it, if you think that your some of the depression or anger issues that you have experienced throughout your life may have been sourced because of sexual trauma, uh, ch- check her out for sure, and c- really consider this uh, four-hour uh, group program at least to start and then the man on fire, of course. Uh, Sarah Rose, professor, thank you for your story.
1: Thanks, Glenn. It's always a pleasure.